1: Go to quince.com/slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
0: This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on c 103
1: Cork Screen!
2: And a very good morning to you. And I'll stay on the topic of the weather for the moment because householders and commuters uh, were being warned to brace ourselves for arctic conditions. Snow, sleet and freezing temperatures are following on in the wake of uh, Storm Kira at the weekend. A status yellow. Snow and ice warning is in place for the entire country today and tomorrow. And uh, we're told from it, Aaron, widespread wintry showers and three centimetres of snow falling in some areas. And uh, we were hearing this morning we were getting some calls in from people in the Limerick area to say it was snowing quite heavily in Limerick and it was staying on the ground. The ground was dry and it was cold up there and the snow was landing. So whether it's going to follow on down from Limerick and hit us here during the course of the afternoon and of course it is following on hot on the heels of Storm Kira, which caused havoc at the weekend, particularly in coastal uh, areas. There was winds of 130 kilometres per hour recorded. Now I heard there was a number of lightning strikes also reported across uh, Cork even though we did appear to escape the worst of the power disruptions because I know the ESB networks are still trying to reconnect some parts of the country they're still working on areas that were without power right throughout the night and Storm here of course played havoc with the sporting events there was a number of cancellations across the weekend so the stormy conditions leave us and it's been followed on by uh, Snow. Now, you're very welcome to the programme. Bernie's taking your calls because John Paul is, out, is off today. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Uh, you can text her WhatsApp as well to 0862 103 103. Your thoughts and comments welcomed on the outcome of Saturday's election. And the one thing that I was very keen to watch on Saturday... I need to wait until the polls closed was to see would there be much of an increase in voter turnout. The fact that it was held in a Saturday, because the theory was that voter turnout would be up because they reckoned young people would be home. People who traditionally live away from home, they'd be home on the weekend and, and they would be able to vote. And they thought that that might help with the voter turnout. And certainly I normally vote on the way to work because it's normally a working day for me so it would be normally around 8 o'clock that I'd be at the polling station when it would be nice and quiet so it was midday on Saturday and uh, it was the first I was ever in the polling station we was nice and busy and I was talking to the the clerks there and they were saying that they'd had queues in the morning they were, they were saying it was great and they were saying you know it did look like there was an increase in the voter turnout and I'd heard nationwide by 1 o'clock it seemed to be like up 20% in most polling stations but I don't know how much of that had to do with Storm Kira. And we knew that Storm Ciara was on the way. We knew that the weather was going to get worse as we head into uh, Saturday. And it seems that's exactly what happened. People turned out early, early. It eased off into the afternoon and seemingly the evening time, which is normally the very busy time for the polling stations when people who were at work during the day head out and vote. They were, most of those were all off on a Saturday. So they went out during the day. So the evening time was the quieter time. So it looked like it was pretty much the same. There was, it was a couple of like point two of a percent down or something. I saw somewhere on the 2016 election and much the same as 2011. So it doesn't look like it made that much of a difference having it on a Saturday. It'll be interesting to see it will be up to future governments and a future Taoiseach to decide whether they'll stick with it, w- whether Saturday now will become the norm or we will be going to the polls on a Saturday or will they revert back to the norms, the norm of it being on a Friday then with the count on the Saturday. Now, your thoughts welcomed on the outcome and what people are saying seismic shift. It's a very different political uh, landscape today than it was this time last week as we were heading into the final week of polling. Let me just take a snapshot of what people are saying by looking at the papers. I think the front page of the papers and the editors deciding what they're, you know, how they were going to caption their front page and I think oh, probably all of them have pictures of Sinn Féin and in particular Mary Lou Macdonald. Let's start with the Irish Independent Martin opens the door to coalition with uh, Sinn Féin and they're talking about the Fianna Fáil leader uh, Micheál Martin. They're saying, according to the Indo, shocked his party members by performing what's called a spectacular U-turn on his long-standing opposition to working in government with Sinn Féin. That's how the Irish Independent are leading the The Irish Sun has Mary Lou on it, Mary Lou's election tsunami and they're saying revolution with the Lou bit of revolution written in green and a picture of Mary Lou. The Irish Daily Mirror Mirror election breakthrough, they say dawn of a Lou era and they again have a picture of Mary Lou the Irish Daily Star. The Shinners take it all with a picture of Mary Lou and on either side of the picture of Mary Lou there's one of Michal Martin and there is another of a very downcast looking Leo Varadkar. We move to the Irish Times. They say Sinn Féin breakthrough marks major political realignment. They talk about Sinn Féin candidates uh, stormed to a series of spectacular victories in general election counts last night reshaping Ireland's political landscape. Landscape as party leaders begin to turn their attention to how the next government might be formed. And then the Irish Examiner has the whole, almost half of the front page of their paper is taken up with a picture of Mary Lou Macdonald. And it was actually the picture of Mary Lou arriving in the RDS in Dublin yesterday. And there is just this bank of cameras and press people all scrambling to talk to her and to take her picture and the headline in the Irish Examiner is Martin U-Turn in face of Sinn Féin tsunami the Irish Daily Mail has a picture of Mary Lou MacDonald pointing out with a big smile on her face Mary Lou, Sinn Féin and Historic Surge as Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael explore Grand Coalition. They say it's the end of the old order. That's how the Irish Daily Mail put it. And the final one to hand is the echo. And they have Sinn Féin. They can't ignore us now. And they have a picture of Donnico O'Leary kissing his wife, uh, Emer, and the, their little baby, Fiaqa, is in the middle of the two at the Cork South Central Consent and Nemo Rangers uh, GAA club yesterday. And of course... Uh, Donica O'Leary will go down in history uh, for the thirty third doll because he was the first official TD to be elected, and the first TD to be elected to this doll was a Sinn Féin TD, and that was really the start of count after count after count Sinn Féin candidates uh, topping the poll, and of course they topped the poll in. Let me just move those papers. They topped the poll in spectacular with spectacular results. I mean, it wasn't just a case of they topped the poll and got elected. They topped the poll. In some cases, there was one case up the country, there was almost double the quota. And of course, no one could have foreseen what was happening with Sinn Féin, including the Sinn Féin party themselves, because they didn't have enough candidates. There was many constituencies yesterday where it was very obvious that if there was a second candidate, then they would have had two Sinn Féin candidates elected in that uh, constituency and then of course the wait was on to see with the surplus votes from Sinn Féin where would they go And they predominantly did go to the left. And that was that movement. And you could see it. I watched Twitter very carefully on Saturday on the day of voting, when people were going out to vote. And, you know, people were coming back saying, I voted and trying to encourage other people to get out and vote. And you could see a lot of the hashtags with vote for change and vote left. You could see, you know, that was certainly trending on Saturday. So there was that move to the left. So that's what we are left with. We're left with the two parties have certainly got a bit of a kicking, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. there's still a lot of seats still to be still to be filled and we should know more by the end end of today, but I think we kind of know what the political landscape is going to look. We didn't certainly know one uh, party out in front. So the big question now is what happens from here and how can a government be formed based on the election result from this weekend. Because hand on heart, I really don't think anybody wants them to say, oh, throw their hands up in the air, go, oh, we can't form a government, let's go back out to the people and do it all over again. Because even if they go back out to the people and do it all over again, I don't think they're going to have much of a different result. The only thing it would do, I think, if they went back out to the people again, is I think Sinn Féin, riding on this crest of a wave of support with Box, very clever. And I think they would end up putting Probably two candidates in every constituency, and of course there was only one constituency out of all of the constituencies that they didn't field a candidate, and that was in uh, Cork Northwest. And actually, when I was at the count centre in Mallow yesterday, when they were going through the spoiled votes and the the invalid votes, there was a number of invalid votes from Cork Northwest because people went into the ballot box. Saw that there was no Sinn Fein candidate, wanted to vote Sinn Fein. So rather than voting, they wrote Sinn Fein on the ballot paper. And obviously, then that was a spoiled vote. So certainly there was an appetite in Cork Northwest for a Sinn Fein uh, candidate. So I think if there was another election today, or another election was called, I think. Uh, Cork Northwest would have a Sinn Féin candidate, at least one, if not two, but certainly constituencies all over the country. I think Mary Lou will be looking at adding a certain per- a second uh, person on onto the ticket. Because I know uh, when I, I was hearing rumblings coming from Tipperary when they're independent that very sad news of the independent candidate who died and there was talk for a period of time last week that the Tipperary electorate wouldn't go to the polls on Saturday that they would defer the vote and they would have it later on at the end of the month but that would mean they would have to reopen the process all over again and I did hear uh, whether it was true or not but I did hear from Sinn Féin sources that there was talks of getting another candidate very quickly ready and adding to the ticket because of course last week they realised that they were going to do well so what are the possible permutations what possibly could happen from here? Well, you could have a Fianna Fáil led centre left. Micheál Martin's party uh, would have hopes of still have hopes of having the largest number of TDs. As to say, we'll know more about that uh, today. And that would sustain the hope that it could run a coalition between themselves, the Green Party, the Labour. Social Democrats have done uh, very well. And obviously, then, you know go chat with to various other friendly independents that they think would support them. They've got to get to that number. Uh, 80 is uh, the number. So it's still unclear how doable that is. It will all depend today on when I have the rest of the seats are filled. But that is one way that this government, the new government, could go a Fianna Fáil-led centre-left then of course there is the talk of the Fianna Fail, Fianna Gael, the Grand Coalition. It is likely to have the numbers. They have to be at eighty or more, but that would be very difficult. I think for both parties, because I think if you put Fianna Fail and Fianna Gael uh, in in together, they would almost they would almost end up coming away from it I think as one party and that then of course would play right into Sinn Féin's hands because Sinn Féin would be in a very strong position then because they would be the leader of the opposition some would say they have been the leader of the opposition really in the last government but it certainly would bode well for the next election I think for for Sinn Féin, so I don't know. I don't know if Leo Varadkar and Micheál Martin are looking at that option. Is it an option they will sit down and talk through at least? But it could be the numbers. We're just looking at this as with the numbers that are there and what is possible. So, a Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Grand Coalition. The numbers look like they could be there. But I don't know if that's what the people voted for when they went out to vote for change on Saturday. I don't think it was a Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael Grand Coalition. Sinn Féin and Fianna Fáil, again, numerically, they could do it. They look like they would both have enough to put them close to the 80 plus that they would uh, need. So that is, is possible. Now, Micheál Martin had been quite adamant that he wouldn't do business with Sinn Féin certainly when the campaign was on. But listening to him yesterday, he has softened his tone as the figures started to come in. Fine Gael and Sinn Féin, again, the numbers could be there, but I think that is almost certainly a non-runner, a non-starter. I mean, I, there was no any no sign at all of... Leo Varadkar budging on that, so I don't even think discussions will be had on that one. And then the other option would be a pan-left government. Many again saying, uh, political commentators are saying a non-starter. The idea had been bandied about by Sinn Féin and other groups. Solidarity People for Profits certainly were mentioning it. The Green Party, Labour, Social Democrats and other left-leaning independents would have to all come into the talks all with the same degree of real enthusiasm and the same kind of thought pattern. I mean, to me, even if the numbers were there and I don't know if they are there, all you'd want is one curveball to be thrown in the middle of that. How stable a government would that be? So I, I can't. I would find it very hard to believe that we would have a pan-left government. But never say never. Uh, Eighteen fifty-three-three-three-one-zero-three. Some of your thoughts already coming into us. All the TDs that lost their seats can go on the dole and be means uh, tested, says a texter, or I'm assuming that's what this texter would would, uh, like to do. Well, that's unlikely to happen. Uh, Many ask, says another texter, what was the one thing that drove rural voters to vote Sinn Féin? One thing stood out. It was Leo Varadkar's lack of knowledge of history wanting to commemorate the black and tans. That sent shivers down the spines of many West of many, uh, of many says a West Cork uh, listener, and that would have gone against. Fine Gael, and whatever about uh, Fianna Fáil. And Michael in Castletown Bear says, Morning Patricia, how can Mihol Martin talk to Sinn Féin after he categorically saying that they were controlled by the army council? Would he speak to the army council? I don't think so. Many, many Fianna Fáil supporters must be sick this morning to even contemplate such a move. They must feel betrayed that he abandoned his word for the sake of grabbing power. At least Leo Varadkar has has a con- consistently stated he would not go into power with Sinn Féin and he's still quite clear on that. Thanking you and that's from Michael and Michael in Castletown Bear while Michael in Mallow was on to say maybe in the future the parties representing us will not arrogantly sleep through their tenure. Hopefully this is a wake-up call just because Mammy and Daddy used to vote for Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael that does not work anymore. There was a time when that's exactly what happened. You voted exactly along the lines of your mother and father and mammy or daddy would tell you what way to vote. But I, I think Michael O'Mallow is right. I do think that day uh, certainly is uh, gone. And Johnny Mallow says, will the candidates be so fast to take their posters na- down now, please? And there is a restriction on the and is there a restriction? and the number of posters you're allowed to put up. There's a huge, huge amount of them on the main road out of Malla, belonging to one particular candidate. No, there's no restriction. You can put up as many as you like. Uh, people, all of the candidates were asked, particularly in areas where there's a tidy towns committee and where they were had a poster ban. It was kind of a voluntary thing, but, most of the candidates abided by it. They didn't put posters up, say, within the 50 kilometer zone of a town or village if the local towdy Towns Group asked them not to. And they certainly stuck to that. They have a week now to take them down. I have to say Storm Kira has done a bit of damage. When I was driving to, driving to work this morning, I saw some of the posters have been snapped in in half. And it got me thinking that when we were talking about posters from an environmental point of view, a number of the candidates said, oh, we can reuse those posters, we take them down and reuse them there's a lot of them after Storm Kerry you're not going to be able to reuse guys and gals because they they literally there's a couple of ones I saw today have been just snapped into but they have a week they have one week and if they don't take them down within a week they can be done for under the litter act even though I don't know if we ever had anybody get prosecuted under the littering act but they can get they can get fined per poster that they leave leave in pace one week after the uh, election is finished 1850 333 103 apologies for the scratchy throat but we'll get through it. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 Patton from Moy says uh, a number, a big number of women seem to have lost their seats this time round and each party had a quota for women. But Pat says it doesn't seem to have worked, and it would seem to be if another election was called, it would play into the hands of the Sinn Féin party. They would put up more candidates next time and win more seats. They could end up They're looking at some of the constituencies yesterday where they certainly would have got a second candidate in if they had had another. Sinn Féin candidate on the on the ticket yeah I think they would be the party today with certainly the most number of seats and is that that's the change that people were voting for so yes if there was another election in the morning I think absolutely uh, it would certainly favour Sinn Féin even though I did hear Mary Lou MacDonald say yesterday when somebody asked her about you know hung doll would there be another election she said no the people have voted and it's now up to us as the politicians to sort it out and to form a government so I mean she was, she certainly wasn't pushing to go back out uh, before the people again Okay some of your texts Aim. I was very sorry to see John Paul O'Shea Councillor John Paul O'Shea of the Independent Part I was going to say he was an Independent but with the Fine Gael Party didn't get a seat he was a great man he had a really good uh, showing for sure because it was his first time running he ran the last time as an Independent this is his first time running uh, for Fine Gael and he now and uh, um, marginally missed out on the seat and I know Michael Creed Minister for Agriculture he was his running mate and I know Michael Creed was really disappointed that he didn't take that John Paul didn't take that second seat for uh, Fianna Gael uh, John says if Fina Fall decides to go into power with Sinn Féin then I would suggest that the first condition should be that Sinn Féin hands over the killers of Paul Quinn that young Boy from up the country who was beaten to uh, death. Uh, That's from John. Marie says Hi, Patricia. Hope this message finds you well. I was delighted for Michael Collins, independent. TD for West Cork was re-elected. It shows he's a man of the people. He stood by the people of West Cork. I also noticed, noticed, noticed that candidates concentrated on towns and not so much on rural Ireland uh, this time round. from Marina. I'm assuming you, you're talking about when people went canvassing and I think that's got a lot to do with the winter canvass with the evening time and people don't like to be knocking on doors once it gets dark I think from the candidates points of view they didn't have any choice and they had a very short run in to this election there was just the, the the three weeks there wasn't a big lead into it so I can kind of understand why we didn't get I certainly because I was not complaining but I mentioned it last week that I didn't have people knocking on my door as I would have on previous elections when it's a summertime election you're you can be up and down some evenings the, the doorbell's constantly ringing and we'll be given out about it then but I certainly there was only one candidate and what the candidate himself didn't call it was actually somebody on his behalf handed in a, a flyer that was the only person that I answered the door to all the rest was just flyers uh, through the door and yes we did hear that they were concentrating on areas with a bigger density of population or going to shopping centres or going to in rural areas they go into the mart where they'd meet as, as many people and that I can absolutely understand that uh, Patricia would you please ask the politicians to remove the plastic ties when they're removing the posters uh, as well and that's from Margaret in uh, Bantry Tidy Towns thank you for or Band in Tidy Towns uh, thank you for that Margaret yes please politicians you have the week take the cable ties down with them as well and just one final one in um, on, this is on um, Keeling Shandley's death that was announced from RTE on Saturday. Extremely sad to hear of Keelan Shandy's death at the weekend uh, said uh, Sandy. I couldn't believe it. I knew that she'd had cancer in the past. I didn't know that the cancer had returned and it seemingly it had and it returned with a vengeance unfortunately. And it was only last week seemingly she was told there was nothing else could be done and she only lasted a few days after finally being told that was the end of treatment for her. But certainly for all of the her colleagues in RTE I, you know how kudos to each and every one of them, because they all had to turn up for work. Then on Sunday, on the day where Keelan would have been out in on front, certainly on the TV showing us the trends and the way the vote was going and the swings and the U turns and what was happening, and she would have been in her element, absolutely loving it. And she certainly was missed yesterday in the coverage. And I saw, I thought it was a lovely touch, the desk her desk at RTE nobody sat at it yesterday and instead they just had a lovely photograph uh, of her beautiful bouquet of flowers and some candles and they left candles burning uh, all day and I thought that was a really nice touch but very difficult for all of her colleagues yesterday to have to go to work and uh, knowing that she just passed away. So she, may she rest in peace and our thoughts and sympathies obviously with her husband and her two very young uh, children. That's the late uh, Keelan Shandley. May she rest in peace. Eighteen fifty-three-three-three-one-zero-three lines open.
1: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
0: Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103.
2: Now at count centres all over the country, the make up of the 33rd doll was being decided yesterday. With the remainder of the seats, uh, fingers crossed, all expected to be filled today. This morning, we've decided to chat with the poll toppers in the three county constituencies, and we start with Cork East and uh, poll topper uh, Sinn Fein's deputy Pat Buckley. Good morning, to you Pat.
3: Good morning Patricia, good morning to your listeners.
2: And and I believe happy birthday to you.
3: 21 plus fat, Patricia. Say, yeah. I actually forgot about it. I got a text from a constituent in New York this morning to say happy birthday and I went, oh, it is my birthday.
2: <laughs> well, I think Anne, Anne Murphy in the Writing in the Echo has a piece and she's telling, telling the world that it's Pat's birthday boy uh, today. Now, congratulations on your, firstly on, on your personal vote but also on the success of the party uh, nationwide. It must be a terrific feeling waking up this morning
3: you know what, it's absolutely a wonderful feeling, but not on a personal basis, but I think it's an absolute wonderful feeling that the people went out and actually voted for change. And we are are the party of change, and we know that things can happen and things can be done differently. And I think the people, we listen to the people and the people put trust in us, and I think that's the greatest gift and reward that you can get, that somebody can put so much trust in you to deliver change. To deliver a proper housing uh, policies, to deliver proper services within the health services or the disability services, and we have legislation stuff. As I said earlier on to another um, interviewer, I said, "Look, well, I'm like the proverbial um, greyhound at the moment. The bell is after ringing, the hair is running, and I cannot get out the trap fast enough."
2: How much of the vote do you believe was down to Mary Lou Macdonald? I mean, her personal satisfaction rating was certainly much higher than than the other leaders?
3: I think what you see is what you get and I think within the Sinn Féin party and our activists and elected reps and stuff, you know me of old. Um, We are grounded, first of all extremely approachable Um, we're not career politicians. We actually get into this because we want to make change and I've seen even in the last five years Patricia I'm absolutely amazed at the hunger out there from the electorate is that they actually do want change. They've told us they're suffering when it comes to housing. They've told us they're suffering when it comes to health. And it's not to bad government funding, because it's not government funding. It's taxpayers' funding. And they're angry and they've told us, and now they've, we've asked for the chance. They've given it to us. And I can see a, a huge, huge um, change, possibly, and please God, within the next five years.
2: And during the campaign, to hear—I mean, in particular, Leo Varadkar and Fina Gael, but and to a certain extent, Fina Fall as well—say that they would not do business with Sinn Féin, no matter what happened, no matter what way the numbers worked out, they would not do business with uh, Sinn Féin. Do you think that worked in your favour?
3: Um, to be honest, we've heard this in every election. But I think the big mistake that the Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil did, they didn't listen to the people. I mean, as, as a leader of any party coming out and says, you won't work with A, B and C. The people that voted for us, and we've said it, and our own leader, uh, Mary Lou Macdonaldson, we'll talk to anybody. And we will work with anybody for the betterment of the country. Where their populist line was, we're going to disrespect probably 40% of the national vote was for change and 40% of that vote was for Sinn Féin and they dismissed the democratic right of people who want change I think that's where the mistake was made and again it goes back to we are very different we are grounded, we listen to the people we don't play the populist. we're in there to do work and the work is for the people that we represent
2: There was a time past when people wouldn't vote for Sinn Féin because of your links with the provisional IRA Are we moving away from that, do you think? Is there a younger generation who don't identify Sinn Féin in any way with the political IRA or the troubles that the previous generation would have lived through?
3: Well, the IRA gone. It's as simple as that, Patricia. But I think you're underestimating the generation of people that are there today. They're a lot more educated on what happened in the past and why it happened in the past and where the party has come from. And it now resonates that the I suppose the tweedle dum politics of the last 10 years, with Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil, has been dismissed because basically, it, and this would be my personal opinion, Patricia, is... I can the, th- the best way to put it is misinformation. The people were actually lied to about our history. I mean, they tried to remove history from the curriculum and stuff. I mean, it's all about working for people. And I, I think using that tactic from other parties... Uh, it's all news. It's gone, and thank God it's gone. And we're a progressive party, and working for the people.
2: And when you were out on the street and canvassing and, and knocking on doors, Pat, were were you hearing and picking up this wave of support for Sinn Féin and for the other left parties?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Because we did go and knock at doors, and we did talk to people, and it was a bit surreal. And you always have to take with a pinch of salt because you don't know whether people are actually telling you the truth or just trying to fob you off so you go away from the door. But I found that, you know, all my years canvassing, people wanted to talk with us. They they invited us in to sit down. They wanted to really express how they were feeling. And we knew, and I knew, I could feel it. I said, there's something, there's a massive seismic change happening here, and people want to engage because normally you know politics is just fobbed off and it's it's not a pretty subject but unfortunately politics is very important and i think people should be more involved in it but it it was definitely when you talk to people and i i left doors crying i mean people are still hurting and it maddens me in 2020 and we have people that can't heat their house with people that can't that are living with their parents with children i mean it really, really saddens me and maddens me. And I think the other people, like everybody else, that we need to help. They are paying tax. We pay our taxes here so we can have a better society. And as I said, we should have the best country in the world. We have the best people in the world. But there's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of hurt. And there definitely was a lot of anger. And that's what I was hearing at the doors.
2: Okay. and the And the real work begins now.
3: Um, I'm working. I didn't stop. It's as simple as that. And I'll be making a few phone calls because I've I've met some. I've come across some very very sad cases uh, in my time, even in the short number of weeks that we were canvassing. And I normally don't do promises because I don't like to promise somebody if I can't deliver. But I will make a commitment. And once I'm finished with you today, I have to ring uh, a lady. In my constituency, who had a lot of, how would I put it, very, very bad luck to do with suicide and families and stuff, and i will be ringing them today and say, right, I'm back, I'm in, what can I do? Because that's my passion, is helping people, and the greatest reward you'll ever get in your life is when somebody comes back and says, thanks for that.
2: Well, once again, congratulations uh, to you. And try and take time out to enjoy your birthday as well, uh, Pat. We'll talk again. Not going to happen, Patricia. <laughs> <Too busy>. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, in the meantime, take care. We'll talk again. Good, uh, good morning, Jim. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Sinn Féin, doll Deputy Pat uh, Buckley, who topped the poll in uh, Corky.
0: Cork today on C
2: 103.
0: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment.
2: 086 And from the north and east side of the county, we now go to West Cork to talk with the poll topper for Cork uh, South West, and that's the independent door deputy Michael Collins. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, congratulations. How how are you feeling today?
4: Well, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted. I suppose the right word is over the moon. Um, and you know, I'm humbled by the magnificent vote I got. Um, we had we ran a very, very careful and and considered canvas. I didn't uh, post any election material. like Our canvassers, and, and sometimes we were fifty strong, went to the doors, spoke to the people. We got an incredible reaction, um, and you know that feedback was very, very positive. I used to speak to canvassers in the evening to make sure we knew what the issues were, uh, what the reaction was, and it was very, very positive. And you know it—it it reflected that um, in the in the vote yesterday when just counted, um, the people um, are you know are very frustrated. I suppose this country has, has has shown that frustration this time. There was a number of issues of serious concern to people. The health became a massive issue here in in, in West Cork. I suppose it's, it's a massive issue nationally, but it became a massive issue at the doorstep and of course Bantry General Hospital. And it's and it's. Uh, proposed on grading as a model 2 hospital was a big issue. Again, fishing, farming, housing, they were coming up at the door to me on a regular basis. And, you know, it was... And I think there was an air of uh, hope that I would voice the people's concerns in, in, in the new Dáil if I was elected.
2: And uh, But your first preference vote, I mean, you were uh, well above the quota. Did you have a sense when you were out on the canvas trail that you were going to do that well?
4: I did. I did. But, you know, you never count your chickens who yeah. are hatched. And the political parties out there, and she, look, that's the politics we live in. I knew they were telling people that he'd be thousands over and above. He doesn't need the vote. And that's a very, I didn't want complacently to step in. But there was a serious, serious determination in people to give me that vote. I felt that the vibe was incredible. And you know it nearly around the clock we were working. And I felt I was walking on air because the the, the visiting the people, whether it was down in Bendon, whether it was Western Goldeen, whether it was above in Castletown Bear, or any, or, or any place in German League, German Lenway, or League Barry Road, it was a welcome. Like Ken said to me, we don't know how many cups of tea we got when we told him we were Kensington for you people. Come on in. He's a great man. You know, we, we we like what he's doing. And people were gracious. A lot of people that couldn't give me number one were saying, I most certainly can't give one, but I give him number two. And I was very respectful to those people too,
2: uh, Patricia. In case you needed the number twos, but you didn't. There was there was no, no. fear that you needed the number twos for sure. Do no. you feel people were surprised by the election of the Social Democrat, um, Holly Carnes? Or is that just another sign that people want change?
4: Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I could get that vibe at the door, too, that people, you know, they used to say to me, thank God to you, that it isn't it isn't one of them big parties. And that's what they were saying to me. at the door and money really ain't what they were saying. And and that, and that proved itself in the vote yesterday. I think people were extremely, extremely frustrated with uh, Minister Shane Ross's um, ruination of rural Ireland. And he was either limited by the two main political parties. And they they've found out to their detriment today by supporting issues and supporting um, policies that he put forward that absolutely destroyed us destroyed us in rural and they they're backing him they couldn't survive for it
2: <coughs> and of course we don't we don't, I tried, I we don't want to kick him out when he's down but Shane Ross has has lost his seat but Shane, Shane Ross and Michael came to West Cork you I mean you took the time out To bring this man down to say, look, you know, you live in Dublin, you live in a different uh, area, come down and see on the ground. And you and everybody else seemed quite happy with that visit, but he just, did he just completely not take on board anything that he saw during that visit?
4: That was one of the first things I did in the Dáil when I got elected was I, I met with him when he was uh, appointed minister. And I, asked, I, I, I put forward the su- suggestions for solutions for our roles, structuring West Cork D 71 or, the five, or 586. And I asked him when he come to West Cork, even to the very the, the, the other issues like um, tourism offices in Bantry and in Skibbereen and in other parts that are not funded that would need it five or six thousand a year to continue to keep their doors open. I put that forward because he's minister for tourism. The man ignored him. He didn't even write back to them. You forget about our roads. He had no yeah,
2: interest. That's so disappointing he because it. he appeared to take it on board when, when, when he was visiting. A lot of people wanting to say, "Well, Donna, congratulations to you." And I will get through a lot of those texts as we get through the through the program. But uh, somebody saying, "Please, uh, Michael, you need to make sure you get into government. Don't don't lose don't lose this opportunity." You're now willing to talk to anyone. Is, is is that your message, Michael?
4: That's my message. It always will be my message. I won't do it. I heard a politician saying during the election that I'll do a deal with anyone. I won't do a deal unless West Cork is strongly on the table. The likes of Bantry General Hospital is going to be secured going forward and enhanced further. Our roads are going to be looked at. That we have a, there's at least a consideration to put a standalone Minister for Fisheries and Farming and our housing crisis. And the self implied need to be looked after. They're issues that I'm going to have at the top of my agenda. If there's someone genuine showing me that they're willing to work um, to put to work on these issues, I will make sure that I will support them. If they're not. I won't be going into government. <clears throat> Sorry, Patricia. Yep. I won't be going into government for the sake of it, just to get a bit of nod and wing style politics. We do need a, a strong government going forward. We certainly need a strong opposition too. And I'm well aware of that, and that's why I made that decision the last time. And I appreciate your caller saying that I should go into and if it is the right thing and if I think there's a right attitude there for the people and it's not a Dublin 4 attitude, I certainly will, but if it's not I certainly stay in opposition and I'd hold them accountable each day that I'm in that doll.
2: Because you did you did go into negotiations the last time and those negotiations, if memory serves me right, went from February on until April. And I'm assuming it it will take as long, will it, to form the thirty third government?
4: <clears throat> I'm I, I'm I to be honest with you, a lot of them negotiations that were done above there that the time Patricia, were only time wasting exercises and and and, and, and Spin it's, it's coming out of them. They could have formed the government far quicker, and they can form a government in in at the flick of a finger here, because the electorate has made a decision. It's very simple to me, looking in uh, at it at the moment, and maybe being the inside. There's a faint fall Sinn Fein government there for the taking if they put it together and move forward and they'll have no other choice to do so. And if there's people that aren't able to do that, they'll have to step aside and outside the politics. They're not, they're not worth being voted in the first place. And maybe maybe some independence in that as well. But as, as I can say, can I talk for myself, I certainly will enter all negotiations with anyone. <clears throat> but the only deal i do it's a deal for the people of Cork South West. I'm back working for them this morning, Patricia. <clears throat> My old voice is gone. I'm back working for them this morning, Patricia. And I certainly will be focused on their issues. They're ringing me. I have a lady rang me this morning. Her mother's above in E&E in Cork Friday morning. She's 89 years of age on a trolley. It's an outrageous scandal beyond belief. That can't, that wasn't tackled and isn't resolved and is nowhere near it. And if the next government can't tackle it, they have to come out as well. It has to be resolved
2: and yeah. it can be resolved. OK. All right, listen, we'll let you save your voice because you have a lot of work to, uh, to be getting on with. Thank you for Thank that. You we'll for we'll talk again. Uh, Thank thanks uh, to join us. Bye-bye. Uh, that is uh, Michael Collins, independent and deputy for, East, for West Cork, who topped the poll in Cork Southwest. West. We did put calls through to try, but we couldn't make contact with... The curry still is the Minister for Agriculture, Michael Crete who topped the poll in East Cork, but uh, on, or, or, sorry, in Cork, um, Cork Northwest. I'm getting all confused all the constituencies, uh, but unfortunately, we were, we were unable to make contact with him this morning. It's now lots of calls and comments coming in. Let me get to uh, some of them. Somebody was uh, mentioned about the, a number of women lost their seat, which is a real shame, particularly when they all of the political parties p- push for a quota to have female representatives. And yet we had some big fallers at, uh, on this particular election. The outgoing Minister for Social Protection, Regina Doherty, she lost her seat in Meath. Minister for State for Higher Education, Mary Mitchell O'Connor, she lost her seat in Dunleary. Of course, the former Thornish, uh, Joan Burton of Labour, she was eliminated early last night. It was kind of a disastrous result uh, for the Labour Party. And the Minister for Children, Catherine Sapone, I know by the time I switched off she was looking set to be excluded so I'm, I'm assuming she's lost her seat in the Solidarity uh, TD Ruth Carpinger uh, she lost her seat in Dublin West so th- there was a, a number of certainly high profile female know Janice Sullivan in Limerick City she was in difficulty I don't know whether she hung on uh, or not uh, but there is more because there's still counting going on uh, today and it's just hard to catch up, catch up with all of them particularly all the ones uh, around the country but yes People are pointing out that a number of high profile females uh, certainly lost their seat. Helen in Kilworth. this is on where we go from here and what will happen now. Michal Martin must now do what John Hume did and bring about peace and bring Sinn Féin in from the cold. Helen would be all in favour of Fianna Fáil going into a coalition with... Shin Fein, Maura in Bantry wants to congratulate Michael Collins uh, Tom in Bantry says, Michael was gone off the line when I saw your comment. My apologies, Tom, but he wants to know with the he wants Michael to ask the council, so we'll put it out there for the council please to do something about the area around Bantry Hospital. It needs to be cleaned up. And the roads also around the hospital are in a terrible state. Something needs to be done. And Mary in West Cork, when I mentioned that we had reached out to the other pole topper in the county constituency, it being the current Minister for Agriculture, Michael Creed, but we weren't able to make contact with him this morning. Miriam Westcork wants to point out that it was Andreas Moynihan the top of the poll and not Michael Creed. OK, can I just explain to you on that? Uh, technically, yes, on first preferences, Andreas Moynihan was, had the most first preferences, but how we picked the poll topper was who was elected first. It was Michael Creed was elected first on the fifth count. Now, all three TDs were returned after the first count. Michael Creed with the most votes 13,060 followed by Michael Moynihan with 11,240 votes and then Andreas Moynihan with 11,173 so there was more transfers went to Michael Creed and Michael Moynihan but Andrei, you're right in that Andreas Moynihan topped the poll when the boxes were opened at first preferences but because we can't get to everybody today and we're limited in the amount of TDs that we can talk to that was the criteria we used it was who was elected first in each area so hence the reason that that we um, were trying to get through to Michael Creed, but as I say, uh, we weren't able to uh, to get through to him. Uh, but thank you for in pointing that out to us. 1850 three 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 one oh uh, three. 103 uh, Patricia, it's so good that Deputy Michael Collins got back in. Could you ask him now? He has the people behind him. He won't forget us and keep working hard like he has in the past for all of us here in West uh, Cork. Catherine says, Trish, what about Desi Addis singing Come Out You Black and Tans when people think the link between Sinn Féin and the provisional IRA, it is still there. There was a lot of people not happy with the singing of that song. But then on the other side of it, we had the Fianna Fáil party in government wanting what a lot of people said, wanted to commemorate who that song is about in the RIC commemorations when people felt that that was commemorating the black and uh, tans. Heartiest congratulations is this Dexter to Minister Michael Creed getting elected with over 13,000 votes. Well done, well deserved as from Morris and all of the family. Thank you for that Morris. Mary says hi Patricia, could help you? You have a dose <laughs> of what's going around some Dr. Delish Clare sinus blend might help. Do you know something it might? I think I have some at home in my cupboard. I'll ask Annalise later on what she would suggest but thank you uh, for your kindness. Patricia, this is also on WhatsApp. The voters have clearly indicated overwhelmingly that they want change, but due to the proportional representation voting system that we have in this country, it looks as if we could be lumbered with another coalition. We should categorically refuse to allow this to happen and demand a rerun of the election. If the parties commence negotiations, it'll be months before there's any agreement between the parties and while the health and the housing crisis Needs to be addressed and they need to be addressed immediately. I was looking back uh, last night when I was, you know, waiting on counts to come in. I was just looking back over other elections and the last one in twenty sixteen, which actually was the February election as well. And, and there was, I think, we had to the February election in a while, but it was towards the end of February. It took until April before they eventually got to form the government. And and, and I know numbers had to be juggled around, but way more numbers are going to have to be juggled around to this time. Hopefully it won't take until April, but that is a good point. We have a number of crises that need to be addressed while everybody is waiting for them to decide who's going to go in uh, with who. 1850 Patricia, was Simon Harris and Pascal O'Donoghue re-elected? Says, uh, Tony, uh, I'm open to correction, but I think they were. But I'd have to get that uh, doubly checked, so if you leave it with us. Uh, Mary says, the candidates w- won't work so hard. Sorry, the candidates work so hard to get their seat out day and night, rain, hail and snow. Pity they don't work this hard, at least a fraction of the time when they get into power. All the country's problems will be solved. They just take a rest until the next election. I know you'll accuse me of being cynical. Maybe I am, says Mary, but I feel I'm being cynical, but I'm being realistic and another just one final text in this match it seems to me that Leo and Martin have put themselves into an anti Fein bond that they cannot walk away from without egg on their faces Fine Gael are standing off like a spoilt brat saying if you don't do it my way then you can do it yourself like Labour's chant it's Labour's way not Brussels way or whatever it was look how that went for them we remember all too well how that uh, went with Joan Burton hitting the stay-at-home mother's entitlements to a pension by doubling the requirements of contributions without a lead-in period and Fina Gale pushing our pension age without legislation allowing, reti- allowing retirees to work until that age. That was their downfall plus the health uh, service. 1850 103, and somebody says, Patricia would you please announce the bingo's been cancelled in butterworth tonight? Why? Due to the inclement weather. So no bingo in butterworth tonight.
0: C103 Jobs
2: JCP Driver is wanted for work in the McCroom and Mill Street areas. Experience an up-to-date safe pass, please. Cleaner is wanted to work 12 to 15 hours per week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. It's in the commercial premises, North Cork area. Rigid truck driver wanted for tipping work that's in the North Cork and city areas and a qualified hairstylist is wanted to cover maternity leave in the Roscarbury area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie. Forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Site for details. Cork today <laughs> on C103. Call Patricia with your comment.
0: 1850 333 103.
2: Well, it was a monumental day for Sinn Féin in Cork North Central yesterday, but it could still be a dead heat to fill the final seat in the constituency. The four seater was already one of the most open in the country before a single vote was cast because, as we discussed on this programme, three of the four TDs elected in 2016. 16 were not on the ballot paper this time around. Uh, Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter is still at Nemo. As they say, Cork North Central they're the only one of the five Cork constituencies that we haven't filled. All of the other seats have been uh, filled uh, but they went back to counting this morning. I don't know what time they wrapped it up at last night but certainly in some of the county constituencies they stayed they stayed in Mallow. Counting very late, and I know John Paul was at the count centre in Clonakilty for West Cork, and they certainly were there for till the small hours of the morning. and I'm told Fiona joins me over the phone uh, because we can't get her on her ISDN link. Good morning to you, Fiona. Good morning, Trish, uh, and, and, and you're welcome. Okay, you're, what time did they finish up at last night?
1: That's stamps.com. Code program.
2: And why was the decision taken to wait until today?
6: Um, yeah, they finished up at, half o- or at 11 o'clock last night. They joined counting until this morning. And at that stage, Patricia, they were on count five. Nobody had been elected after Thomas schools had been elected um, at around five o'clock yesterday evening. Um, and nobody was very near the quota. So returning officer Martin Harvey decided to your matters until today. Now the um, thing to, to say this morning is that we've had three more counts and we still have no one elected. Um the uh, Lorraine, Mur- Lorraine O'Neill was the first person to be elected this morning then Finnafall, Sandra Murphy and just in the last few minutes, Sinead Halpin of the Social Democrats was eliminated and her votes are now being distributed. Uh, she had 1,503 votes which have been distributed. So, um, Patrick O'Sullivan of Fianna fall, is still closest to the quota. He's on 9,179. The quota is 10,356. Um, so, whether or not he picks up transfers from Sinead Halpin will just have to wait and see. But he is edging closer to that quota, but um, still hasn't got there. I thought he might have picked up a few more votes, transfer votes from um, Santa Murphy, but... Um, He's still there. And then after him, uh, Cullen Burke of Fine Gale, he's the next in line to take a seat. He's on 7,617. Um, so he's likely to take that second seat. And then after that, McBarry of the Solidarity People Before Profits, um, he's on 5,628. And then Kenneth O'Flynn, independent, has fallen a bit behind Mcbarry uh, Now, coming in this morning, they were very close together, but there's been a bit of a gap now. He's on 4,754. Um, now, I think last night when we were leaving here, Green Party's um, Oliver Mourn was fairly hopeful of maybe making up the difference, but it looks like that's not really going to happen. He's on 3,688, and he's actually slightly behind uh, Fianna Fáil's Tony Fitzgerald. He's on 3,927. So um, that nail-biting dog fight that we had, Coming into this this morning seems to be um, edging away a little bit, and Mick Barry is edging out in front there. Um, but, you know, as I said before, the transfers really make a difference. We saw it last night with Holly Cairns. She was elected after getting a lot of transfers from the Green Party and Sinn Fein. So um, we'll just have to see now what way these uh, transfers go. But we could be here for a while, yes, I'm hearing four
2: or five o'clock this evening. Okay, well at least it's not four or five in in the morning. And I suppose one of the reasons that no one has been elected along with Thomas Gould was the size of Thomas Gould's first Mm. preference vote. No one could have predicted that.
6: I don't even think he expected that himself, to be honest. As as I said, the quota was 10,356. Thomas Gould, this was his first time running in a general election. Now, we knew he had done very well in the by-election. Um he had taken the second, or he had come in second in that, but um, I don't think anybody expected, and I think, you know, he was expected to take a seat here in North Central, um, but nobody thought he was going to be elected on the first count, and to be the only candidate to um, exceed the quota, um, you know, and he was, you know, he was very emotional here yesterday, he was surrounded by his family and friends, and... Um, you know, last night, Patricia, we were here. It was a very different election from 2016. Um, in 2016, Micheál Martin and Michael McGraw were both elected on the first count in Cork South Central. And, um, you know, they were home and dry and they were gone. But yesterday evening, uh, John Nicole O'Leary topped the pole in Cork South Central. And he was elected at 4 o'clock, Thomas then at 5 o'clock. And they were all gone from here at six o'clock while Neil Martin, Michael McGrath and Simon Coveney had a very long wait. I mean, it wasn't anxious. They knew they were going to get in. But Neil um, Martin was elected then on the sixth count. And it wasn't until half eleven last night that Simon Coveney was elected. And Michael McGrath was elected, but he didn't even reach the quota last night. And he had topped the poll in 2016. So, um, you know, obviously he was delighted to take a seat. But it was a bit of a blow that he had dropped quite significantly.
2: Yeah, uh, it's, it's 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 certainly, it's a very different political landscape uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned uh, Holly Kearns and I have to say, kudos to you. You called last week when we were doing the constituencies. <laughs> you <laughs> called Holly Kearns and, and myself and John Paul in the office were chatting about it And I was saying, yeah, Holly will do well. But I, I certainly thought it was that you were brave to call. You, you saw yes. it. Yeah, I think Holly
6: um, Kearns... They yes, have a wide appeal, and I suppose for that constituency of Southwest, you know, they have, um, Michael Collins who appeals to the older part of the constituency, um, and there wasn't really anybody I felt that was, you know, that young voice, that voice of change that people have been calling for, and I kind of felt that that would have been Holly Cairns, um, and I, I was expecting her to do very well, um, so I, you know. I was delighted that to see that she got in because I was right.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. and and young and female but I was as well. That she got in yeah, right, it's great. She's
6: the only female yeah. CD that we have now in court. Yeah,
2: yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. And I do
6: think that she's a, you know, she's a very bright young lady and I think she's going to go very far.
2: Yeah, and I know she got a big bounce from the Greens in a, oh. in a transfer from the Greens but a lot of people would see her would know of her uh, environmental Yeah, um, that's
6: right. She's has, she's a big environmentalist she has a farm as well. Herself, she? Yeah,
2: yeah. People would 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 see her almost like a green mm. candidate as well, even though she is with uh, social democrats. This Féin vote, they've got to be when they sit down. Whenever they decide to sit down, Mary Lou and the rest of the crew mm. kicking themselves. I mean, your that constituency you're talking about today, Cork North mm. Central. There's a distinct possibility that it got a second candidate in based on on that first yeah. preference vote. I mean, like
6: a lot when we were going into this campaign uh, three or four weeks ago. People funders were saying that Donegal O'Leary may not have been safe, but, you know, he not only exceeded the quota, but he exceeded it by about four 3,000. Um, and I mean, even when Michael McGrath was saying that he topped the poll in 2016, he got 11,000 and something votes, whereas Donegal had over 14,000 votes here yesterday. Huge support for Sinn Féin in Cork South Central, which is completely unprecedented. Nobody from Sinn Féin has ever topped the poll in Cork South Central. And I think if they had run a second candidate, they could have very well have taken a second seat. And in North West, they didn't even run uh, Sinn Féin candidate. And I'm assuming that if they did, that they could have easily taken a seat there as well. Um, well, I was
2: at the count centre in, in Maloof, where Cork Northwest West was counted. And a number of the sport votes where people went in, took a look at the ballot paper, no Sinn Féin candidate on it, and they just wrote Sinn Féin.
7: No
6: way. <laughs> yeah, so
2: I mean, so so definitely I think if there's another yeah, if election...
6: Definitely as there's a party. They're probably picking themselves that they haven't run for candidates. But, um, you know, we, we had a, a chat with uh, Simon Coveney here this morning as well and he was saying that, you know, Senegal obviously right across the country has taken a few casualties and even in Cork South West they don't have a candidate or they don't have a TV there now, which is the first time in many, many years. And the number of course... Uh, was picked post by Holly Cairns on transfers, and um, he was saying that that in itself was a massive blow to the party locally. Um, well, that's the yeah.
2: birthplace of General Michael Collins, who founded yeah, the yeah. Fine Gael party. I think heard John Paul say it last night, because I was trying to find out when was the last time that that constituency didn't send a, uh-huh. a, a, a Fine Gael candidate. And it seems it's back to the 50s. I think 51, wow. 52 is the last time. And I mean, that was a constituency that for many years had two Fianna Gael candidates, it didn't just return mm. one. I mean, it was it's, it's a three seater but it would have returned two. So it's it's certainly a big, big shock to the party. What, what do? You, where do you wear in your political hat? Where do you see this all ending up? I'm I looking don't at know. The, at like, the national picture. I
6: mean, there's going to have to be. I mean, like Fáil and Fallon again. Have both adamantly said that you know they are not going into um, government with Sinn Féin, but Sinn Féin nationally. I think when I heard this morning, they had much time and the next then was in the uh, fall and 16 I'm not sure if that has changed now in the last couple of hours, but, you know, there's going to have to be a lot of talking. Simon um, Coveney here yesterday said that he wasn't in favour of a coalition government, but I really don't know what other option they'll have. So there's going to be a lot, a lot of talk. I, I even asked uh, Micheál Martin last night if he was going to be the next Taoiseach, and he said he really couldn't answer that question. So, um, you know, it's, some people are, are saying that we might have another general election, Um, and if we do I would imagine that Sinn Féin would push forward a lot more candidates and that could completely change it again but you know I think that um, when everybody is elected that there's going to be a long couple of weeks of long intensive talks to try and form some sort of a government. And whether well, that government
2: works then or not is another thing. Well that's, that's the, tough. yeah, that's the, I heard, I, Mary Lou last night was being asked, you know, about another election and she said oh. no, the people have spoken. She saw it as an, an insult to the people to say we're not accepting your, yeah. your mandate, we're going to go back to the people. So she seems to be really trying to form some kind of, of a government. And, and then, you know,
6: like, I was talking to Michael McGraw last night of course, he would have been the finance person for Fianna Fáil and he said, looking at um, Sinn Féin's policies, that he just does not believe in them and he just doesn't believe that they're going to work and he would really not be happy going into a government with a party whose policies he doesn't support and he doesn't believe in. So... Um, I
7: don't
2: know what the solution is, Patricia. <laughs> I know, but a lot a lot of the uh, commentators on the papers today are saying that, you know, Miho Martin certainly softened his stance mm. towards Sinn Féin. So t- I mean, did you get that sense that he's willing yeah, to, he, let's get uh, around yeah, the table and talk?
6: I was talking to people yesterday who said people who voted for Fianna Fall might see him backing down and they may not like that and they may go against him then. And, and the party force got... I don't know. Like, something has to give them. They're going to have to try and find something that they agree on and try and make it work, you know?
2: A grand coalition of Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael? Mm-hmm.
6: Maybe
2: <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound you don't sound very convinced on that, and I don't know. If I really that's... don't want to
6: have another general no, election. No, go.
2: and I really, I really don't think that that's what the people have voted for, uh, for either. There could be a, a revolution. Anyway, uh, we will wait and see. So uh, back to just back to what we brought you on about Cork North Central. So yes. so just to remind <laughs> us. Okay, we've got Thomas Gould uh, elected, looking like Padraig O'Sullivan, uh, Fall, He was he won the. By election when mm-hmm. that was vacated by Billy Keller. You reckon he'll be next home?
6: Yes. Um he is um nine thousand one hundred and seventy nine, so he's still a little bit off the quota, but he's definitely the closest to it. And um you know, Sinead has been votes now, she has one thousand five hundred and three. Um it's unlikely that her uh votes will get him over the line but um after her then I think it's Finney and Toomey of vain too so hopefully between the two of them they'll get him over the line and then they can start to distribute his votes after he's elected so his surplus votes and that may get Colin Burke over the line but, um, and of course Co- Colin,
2: Colin Burke is um, a senator uh, and he's <coughs> never actually been elected as a TD
6: no he, he was, was elected to Cork City Council in the 90s and he was a uh, Lord Mayor and then he was he's uh, um, in the Senate at the minute but um He's never been elected to general election or wow. a general election into the doll. And he's been around for a very long time. And um he did have a very difficult campaign this time because of the whole uh Darren controversy in Cork North Central, people were very angry about that. And I think going into this, uh Senegal were hoping that he was going to take a seat and we heard time and time again from people that he was that he is a very hard worker. He's a genuine Person who cares for the community, and they thought that he really, really deserved to get that seat. But um, I think there was a little bit of anxiety there amongst people as well, in case the Darren Russell thing would go against Cullen. But um, it seems like he is going to take the third seat, and um, then, as I said, it looks like McBarry is going to take the fourth seat. But um, uh, Kenneth Flynn is still hanging in there, so we'll just have to wait and see
2: what way the transfers go OK I never give up on the O'Flynn vote um, alright we will we'll touch base with you tomorrow because you say it's going to be late this evening this afternoon yes. anyway be, before and that's this hopefully is we're go- not
6: back here again tomorrow. no hopefully not
2: <laughs> it, don't anybody shout recount OK oh alright we'll, we'll leave you. we'll leave it there thanks for that Fiona oh, bye bye that is uh, Fiona Corcoran uh, um, who's worked incredibly hard I have to say behind the scenes there's a lot of work going on that you we wouldn't even get to see uh, should all the constituencies uh, previews with this and I know she's been working flat out all over the weekend. That's Fiona, our senior news reporter joining us live from Nemo, where the count continues for the Cork North Central constituency. Some of your thoughts in. Uh, Jack in Watergrass Hill disappointed that uh, Fianna Fáil's Kevin O'Keefe lost his seat as Jack thinks he is uh, doing a great job. Uh, That was, uh, and Kevin lost out to a party colleague rather than to another party. I mean, Fianna Fáil, uh, young James O'Connor, is after taking that seat uh, instead. But Jack and Watergrass are disappointed for Kevin that he lost that seat. Congrats to Andreas Moynihan on getting the most first preference vote. That's from Margaret in McCroom. That's another man. I, I met Andreas, actually. He's about the only one of the, because I was at the, camp centre early yesterday because then this flu thing came over me and I wasn't able to get back later on but I met Andreas and, and he certainly at this stage it was just tallies and it looked like he was going to do really well and he certainly was uh, very pleased but he's another man who's worked really hard on the ground and you know the people that do a lot of the work that we, you don't even get to see or hear about you know the like Michael Collins in West Cork would be a typical example of it as well it's just work that goes on behind the scenes small little things to help people out just to make life a little bit easier for somebody and you know and the role of what they can do as uh, TDs and it, it all comes back it all pays them back when they head out um, to be re- re-elected Michael Moynihan Uh, Final Falls, Michael Moynihan is another man who's exactly the same. It's uh, incredible the amount of work that he does on the ground uh, as well. And congratulations to Michael Collins and his wonderful secretary, Margaret, that's from Mary in And Actually, I'm glad that somebody's mentioned one of the wonderful secretaries because behind all of those incredible TDs that we have and whether you love them or loathe them, you know, I still think it's brave what they do, put their heads above the parapet and every four or five years they've got to go out and face the people and if we don't like the the cut of their jib and we don't like the look of them and we don't like something they've done or haven't done, then we can boot them out and that's exactly what happens. But behind all of them are incredible secretaries and the amount of work that they do behind the scenes is absolutely unreal. And somebody uh, has sent in a text, there's a couple of texts in on this, uh, Well, somebody says, "Uh, Patricia, who takes... Holly McKeever Kearns seat on the council now as far as I know it's up to Holly isn't it to nominate somebody to take the seat that's there isn't a by-election right? there is a by-election if someone steps down from the door, but as far as I know for the council that's how it's done it's up to somebody else to, to or it's up to the person whose seat is being vacated to nominate somebody because somebody else has been on John saying Patricia, well I want to congratulate all of the TDs that have been elected particularly in Cork Southwest. As regards to Holly McKeever Kern's council seat, I would think that it would only be fair that Finbar Harrington would be given this seat now as he lost that seat by one vote. Please ask the people of Cork what they would think of that, says John. Now, it is up to Holly. We'll, we'll see if we can get on to Holly and see what our, what is her thinking and, and thought pattern on it. But there's a suggestion in from John. And we remember that cliffhanger, that was only of May of last year when it went down, that final seat went down between Holly Kearns and Finbar Harrington and she won by one vote. And we were talking about how important the transfer of votes are and proportional representation and all that and that for people when you go in some people only like to put on one on the ballot paper and then walk away but Holly proved on that particular seat how important the transferred vote was to her uh, so we might well put a call through to Holly and just see what her thoughts and uh, feelings are and where is she leaning towards she may have already have somebody lined up to take over that seat to take over the seat I don't know Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Bernie's taking your call, sitting in for John Paul. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 with a reminder that Annalise Dracel, a nutrition therapist, will be joining us after uh, 12 o'clock today, after half past 12. So if you have a question, uh, get it in. But we're going to take a break and then we're back talking about something, we're pulling politics aside and talking about something completely
1: different. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
0: Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 103 103. Now
1: we're going to leave
2: talks of the election aside for a moment. We will come back to it after because I want to move to a completely different topic because a play which, t- t- <coughs> excuse me, which tells about the life and times of a pioneer of Irish broadcasting will be staged at the end of the month at the Malou Grain Store, to chat about Maura Lafferty. This was your life. I'm joined by the co-author and the star of the show. That's Barbara Nequeve. Good morning to you, Barbara. Good
7: morning, Patricia. Uh, How are uh,
2: you? My apologies. I have, I have one of these flu things at the moment that has hit me like uh, as if I've been hit by a bus. So the voice oh, is a bit croaky. But we, we will press on and get through it. Now, for those who've never heard of Maura Lafferty, tell us about her.
7: OK, well, Maura Lafferty was a bit of a trailblazer of a woman. As you said there, she was a broadcaster for 30 years. She had her own radio show on RTE for 30 years. So she was she was a household name. Um, and that would have been, I suppose, from the 30s up to the 1966.
2: Uh, in an era where there was no, well, very little, it came into the TV, but people only had the radio.
7: Absolutely. So everybody would have known her program. And on that particular program, she'd advise people about their personal problems, but also she'd advise them on cookery, cookery items, you know, because she was a culinary expert. She wrote five cookbooks. Like, she had no training. She just learned from her granny and, you know, she sort of... She sort of learned on the hoof and she also went to Spain at the age of 17 to work as a governess and spent more time in the kitchens trying to learn how to make, you know, different dishes there. So she wrote five cookbooks. She was a broadcaster. She wrote novels several novels, four novels, three of which were banned because they were very controversial.
2: (laughs) Now, she has that great honour of having a a banned book. What was wrong? Because she was described, I was reading over the weekend, that she was described as being um, as wholesome as brown bread. So you wouldn't expect somebody as wholesome as brown bread to have a book censored by a censorship board. What in God's name was she writing about?
7: She was writing just about what it felt like to be a woman and to fancy somebody, and to love somebody passionately. Um, and she was she was very frank about things. You know, she was very frank about sexual things and about things she had seen, about, you know, uh, things she'd experienced or she'd seen other people go through, especially in Spain. You know, she went there as, like, a little innocent 17-year-old Irish girl and spent four years there. So that was a big eye-opener for her. Um, she also wrote three plays for the Gate that very people know about. Very few people know about. So she saved Hilton Edwards and Mihal Mclemore from financial ruin well. in the 1950s.
2: Um, and now was ta- that, Talca Row, all, all your listeners, that was a TV series, wasn't it?
7: It was the very first Irish soap opera. Okay, Talca Rowe, and she wrote that single-handedly. Now, if you think of something, you know, like Rowe or you think like, of oh, something like... Um, Fair City. Fair City, yeah. you'd have 20 to 30 writers on that. Yeah. She was the sole creator and writer of that. So, like, she did a huge amount in her life. You know, she was also involved in politics with Clown the Public, the, you know, very involved with Noel Brown. She um, she helped Christy Brown in his career. She was a great pal of Patrick Cavanagh, of Sean and Fuelon, of... Brendan Behan, you know, she really got about, like from a young girl who just did her leaving search and had no qualifications really to do anything except governessing when she left school. She just, she carved out a career for herself as a broadcaster and a writer
2: and a cookery expert. And, and I know the her cookbook that was published in the 40s, I think it was 1946, it's deemed a collector's item today, if anyone manages well, to have a copy.
7: It absolutely is. That one was called Fine Cooking. But the one that came after it in 1960, Full and Plenty, is the one that most of your listeners would probably know. And that really is a collector's item now. It's, it's, a, it's a hardback book. It's yellow and blue. And it just says Full and Plenty on it. It's about 500 pages long. And it's full of not just of recipes, lovely recipes, like traditional Irish recipes and some European recipes, like from France and Spain. But it also is full of stories. And in fact, this play would not exist but for that book, because when I was a child, my mother only had one cookery book and that was it, full and plenty. (laughs) And I used to sit at the table, you know, at the red formica top table, and my mother would be baking and I'd learn how to bake and I'd be making, you know, little bits of things out of the dough, you know, the mola, making mola out of the dough, and Uh, I'd be reading the little stories in the book. So Moral Laverty was a huge part of growing up. I associated with the smells of sponge cakes and Madeiras cooking and lovely fruit cakes and apple tarts,
2: you know, all those lovely things. You know. So so tell us how the play came about.
7: Well, the reason the play came about was because, as I say, that was my mother's cookery book. And my mum died young and um, my father married about 10 years later. And his new wife started to gradually get rid of everything to do with my mother, you know, photographs. And one day I went out to the house and I was looking for full and plenty because there was a particular recipe I wanted and it was gone. And I was really upset. I couldn't believe how upset I was because I'm sure like a lot of people, my mom's cookery book was full of, you know, things, if it was full of her handwriting, first of all, it had little recipes she'd have written down that friends had given her or a little bit she'd cut out from newspapers or, you know, things she'd have heard on the radio. shoved in,
2: put into the, put into the, in the leaves of the book.
7: Yeah, I mean, you don't realise how valuable those things are. Like, they have such a sentimental value as well as everything else. So I thought, oh gosh, she must have I bet you she gave it um I bet you she gave it to charity, you know she wouldn't have just thrown it out, so I started a hunt in second hand bookshops and then I started looking online and The more I looked about moral averageity, I thought, oh my goodness, this woman wasn't just a cookery writer, she wrote novels, she wrote umteen short stories, she wrote children's stories, she wrote radios, she wrote for the radio, she was a broadcaster, she wrote Ireland's first t v soap opera. She, and she died at 59 and she was dead for a week before her body was found.
2: Ah, I, it was one of my questions I had down here just to find because I couldn't find out how how aware she had died. Um, 59, fifty nine first she was a young age to die. Very young. Very uh, do, young. Do we and know she what, had lots
7: more to do, you know. What happened? Um, well, I couldn't tell you that now. you would have to come to the plate to see oh, cause that it's was my revealed. question.
2: It's revealed. All right, terrific. It is
3: revealed, But she yeah. was
2: she was found... A week after she passed away. Yeah. Ah, that's really sad, isn't it? It
7: is. I mean, she sort of, she was the woman who seemed to have carved out against all the odds. And by golly, she overcame an awful lot of obstacles, you know. She ended up bringing up three children almost single-handedly in the height of all this. At a time like when women just were meant to be homemakers, you know, there wasn't meant to be sort of a...
2: But well, they weren't you know, career trailblazing, certainly in, in, no. in that era. And and the play is entitled Maura Lafferty, This Was Your Life. Am I am I thinking Eamon Andrews and his TV show, This Is you Your Life? You're very
7: much thinking Eamon Andrews, except it's This Was Your Life. Okay. So it's a present day show for dead celebrities that can be whirled back from Glasnevin or whatever cemetery for an hour and 15 minutes to talk about their lives. In Maura's case, she's made to cook, so there's live cooking. There's no cheating, there's no here's one I made earlier. So there's live cooking within the play that the audience get to see and smell and all the rest.
2: Is a Spanish omelette cooked on stage?
7: It is indeed. (laughs) Yes, it is.
2: I love that. I love the idea of that. And the
7: smell of it, you know, kind of fills fills the theatre, you know.
2: And you're you're more in it.
7: I play Maura yeah. and then an actor called Maliki McKenna plays the host who's called Rip Riley. R.I.P. You see, it's for, oh, <laughs> it's for dead celebrities. <laughs> and I heard just at the start of your show, I heard you saying, oh, and if you want to contact me, you know, be sure an email or WhatsApp me or text me or whatever. It's exactly like that. So it's a contemporary show where throughout the show the the compare is addressing the audience but he's also getting texts and emails and people are Snapchatting and he's telling the audience what people are That's saying clever.
2: live. That's clever. That's very so, clever. You know, well it's, done.
7: It's kind of, and, and Maura's kind of whirled back into this world where, you know, instead of a red book, she has a red iPad. <laughs> She's trying to turn the pages and there's no pages. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of her style of broadcasting versus what happens now. And we have some flashbacks to her actual letters from the 1950s where she was advising people. You know, on their relationships and on their, their problems. And, d- and did, did she
2: give good, sensible advice?
7: She did give very sensible advice. Some of it would seem really funny to us. I mean, some of those, those you know, people just laugh because life seems so different.
2: Yeah, yeah. Do you know what and I mean? They were, they were a much more innocent time.
7: Well, they were and they weren't, you know. I mean, they were censored.
2: Mm, that's that true. That was the difference, that's true. you know. That's true. That's true. So I saw a review of your play that said um, her ghost would be well pleased, which I thought was a, a lovely thing to have uh, written. Would, would, you, would you love to have met her and worked with her?
7: Well, I tell you this. I spent two years researching for this play and I found uh, 10 uncatalogued boxes of stuff in the National Library. So I went through every single thing. So I kind of feel I know her. Yeah. It's really strange, like Pauline Buick. You know the artist, I do yeah? Pauline Buick yeah. and her daughter um, Poppy. They were at the show in Shiamsa. and they well, Pauline knew Mora because her best friend was Barry Mora's daughter. Okay. They went to art school together, and they came to see it. And Poppy, her daughter, now lives in, or she she spends time in a house in Tuscany that Mora's daughter used to live in. She was an artist. And, like, for them, it was a real person. It is a real person. And they were really taken with it. And I use some of Pauline's stories. And it's the same we've had relatives of Maura have come to see the show. And they've been very taken with it. And they've learned things about her. Do you know what I mean? Because Mm. I did so much research of her own writing, her own work, her own letters, her own advice to people, that I really got a sense of this woman, you know, being such a trailblazer, I got, also found out some of her secrets, you know, because she had a very roller coaster life, very tumultuous altogether. And she did pay a big price for her success, you know? Yeah. So and that's and kind and of what drove me, in a way, to to put on this play. I thought, this woman died 50 years ago. You know, we're all deeply upset that people like Gay Byrne and Marion and,
2: and, and Keelan Charlie this Goldin weekend.
7: She, exactly, yeah. Keelan. And everybody is just full of grief. But in fifty years time. Yeah. Yeah. Are we and that you've,
2: fickle that you've brought her back to life, which I think is which is, is lovely. And you definitely are evoking memories for listeners just by talking about the book. and McCroom was on to say she has the book that you were talking about. It's gone down through three generations in her family. Wow. She said it's a terrific cookbook. As we speak, she's teaching her grandchildren how to cook. By using Maura Lafferty's book, her mother got it to Adlam's Flower. You didn't oh, buy it yes. in bookshops. You had to. You had to buy. You obviously had to collect coupons. Was it? Was it or something? No, it, um, I mean it. it,
7: it. a second edition was brought out it was the Irish Flour Millers Association brought it out so I think they sold it but yes you did also get Get it it through the
2: flour and bakeries used
7: to give it to their good customers
2: Nora says I have the very book that that you're talking about I love the old style recipes full and plenty and a number of people are asking did you ever find the cookbook that your stepmother threw away belonging to your mother
7: I haven't yet but I'm still hopeful you ah. know, I'm still hopeful. I still every time I go into a second-hand shop, I think just maybe, just maybe it might be here, you know.
2: And do you know was it a second-hand shop she gave it on to or did you ever find out? She wouldn't tell me. She wouldn't but tell she
7: me. used to work part-time in a, in an, um, a in a charity shop, you know. Okay. So I just thought it's the sort of thing people might pick up and might use for a while and then maybe. Yeah. If you just hope, you yeah. just hope, you yeah. know. But I tell you one person who's a very big fan of Morris is Doreena Allen.
2: The one and only Doreen Allen. The
7: one and only yeah. Doreen Allen. Yeah. And in fact, she is she's a huge fan of her recipes and of her little stories. And she came to see the show. We did it in y'all She came to see the show and she invited the entire cast and crew out to Ballymaloo for lunch, for a delicious lunch in the cookery school there.
3: And so I'm very and grateful
7: to Maura Laverty that... As a result of her cookbook, another of my heroes, (laughs) who would be Doreena Allen, actually invited us to that beautiful lunch.
2: And now you're coming back to the Ballymaloo Grain store, one night only, Friday the 28th of February. That's it. And I can't wait. Well, listen, I'd say there will be a lot of people really looking forward to it. It will be a terrific night and you will get to see Barbara cooking a Spanish omelette on stage at the same time. And something else. And something
7: else as and and a surprise yes. we can't, a surprise. Be, they can't be revealing all <laughs> no of absolutely Patricia. not listen I really enjoyed our
2: <laughs> chat Barbara thank you for that thank and, you so much and good Patricia. luck with it good luck thank with it thank you this. very much bye 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 that is uh, uh, Barbara Nequeef who co-wrote and also stars as Maura Lafferty that Was Your Life, one night only, Ballymaloe Grain Store, Friday the 28th of February. It sounds like a gorgeous, gorgeous night out. I'm David and Connor, listened to my piece with Bar- Barbara Newquiv in the last hour, talking about this play that she's bringing to the Malou Grain Store at the end of the month, all about Maura Lafferty, That Was Your Life. It's terrific. The concept of the play, I think, is, is really great. David and Connor was on. To say his wife saw the play recently and she thought it was brilliant. So well, that's good to hear. And I know any review, certainly when I knew Barbara was going to be joining us on the programme, I was looking up some reviews because I hadn't, it was a play I wasn't aware of. It's, it's a relatively new play, I think it's only been out for about a year. And right. then listening to Barbara and all the research that she's done on it, I can see why it's taken some time to write it, get it together, and get it out there and get it out on a stage. But it does, it sounds delightful and it's talking about an Ireland of a different era you know bringing us back to the Ireland of the 40s the 50s and, and the 60s very different era uh, to today so you know there will be uh, older people will remember some of what goes on in the play but for you know a younger audience it's you know a time when even to, even the thought of books being censored just because this woman decided to write about how women feel and how women express their feelings and um, she had a number of books um, censored because of that and then a host of people are picking up on what Barbara said when I asked her how did the play come about and she said it was all back to her own mother died when she was young and her mother used to have Maura Lafferty's cookery book called Full and Plenty and her dad remarried and the stepmom, I suppose trying to put her own stamp on the house cleared out everything belonging to Barbara's mother and when Barbara went home one day to find the book it was gone and I didn't really want to Push the, but you could sense to what she was saying. She didn't have the greatest relationship with her stepmother. I also felt she was speaking about her in the past, as if she has passed away as well. But anyway, and because she said when she when I said to her, did you ask her what she did with your mother's book? And she, she said uh, she wouldn't tell me, or we, you know. So uh, I take it they had a, they had a pretty rocky rela- relationship, and that's why she's going around all of the bookshops. Every time she passes a second-hand bookshop, she's going back in and a number of people saying, what was the name of the book? The book is called Full and uh, Plenty and it was Maura Lafferty's most famous cook book. And so many people have said to us that they had it or they remember their mother having it and some people uh, still have it uh, in their house. But she's not necessarily, she has a, she's obviously has secured a copy of the book because she based her play on the book. She's actually looking for her mother's copy of the book and she's hoping that every time she passes a second hand bookshop or a charity shop she goes in and has, has a route around the books uh, in the hope that one day she might open up a book and realise that was her mother's because she recognized her mother's handwriting because mother, she said her mother used to scribble notes on it and she'd have little cuttings from the paper and she'd put, as we all do, I mean we all I, I still do that today I have to say if I see something in in the paper that I think is going to be of interest in, to a family member or a friend and, and I'll cut it out and, and I'll put it away but I'm forever cutting out recipes I, I really am not so much I think probably in the last number of years but I would have bits of newspapers and then I went through a phase of laminating them all to, so, so that they, they wouldn't get all old and scruffy and, you know, fall apart. But I think now with the internet, you know, we can just simply Google a recipe. Now we don't look at recipes as much as, as we used to, which I suppose is, is a real shame. But I knew exactly... When Maura was describing her mother's beloved book and she is the little girl, you know, kneeling next to the Famoika table and helping her mother to bake and and, and all the recipes came out of this, more, this book full and plenty. And you could see Barbara as a little girl and just suddenly one day wanting to cook something that she remembered her mother cooking, going back to the dad's house, the house she grew up in, obviously, to look for the book. God, it was such a heartbreaking thing to discover the stepmother just got rid of it, either thrown it out or what more Barbara is hoping she put it into a charity shop and maybe one day maybe one day she will be, it would be a fantastic find wouldn't it if she did uh, come across it but Full and Plenty was the name of the book and some of our, our listeners certainly said that they have it and that they, they have copies of the book or their mother or grandmother's had copies of the book OK some of your thoughts still flowing into us people still wanting to talk about election 2020 which I'd love to say it's all over bar the shouting but it's certainly I think there's going to be a lot of shouting or discussing is going to have to go on before we can finally say general election 2020 is behind us. Now um, Holly, Ker- Holly McEva Kearns and what she will do with her council season. and we will try to get on to it we'll let her let her you know, let her rest today. They had a very, very late night last night, but we will try to get on to her uh, to find out what is she going to do with her election seat because by all accounts, she has the right now uh, to pass it on. But there are definitely almost, I know whether this is a campaign or not. Well, there's a number of people now texting us to say, I agree with it. was John from Bantry kicked in off about Holly, Carnes giving her seat to Fimber Harrington because Fimber Harrington lost out, remember, by that one vote. I would think it would be nice of her and would stand to her in the future. That way, both Holly and Fimber would be getting a chance. And an Ali, his listener, says Holly should definitely co-opt Fimber Harrington. He would be a huge asset to us in rural Ireland and somebody by WhatsApp was making a similar point saying very happy for Holly Cairns, but we will miss her honesty and transparency in Cork County Council. I'd like to wish her all the best. And this listener is saying that when Michael Collins who we spoke with this morning when he initially got voted into Dáil and for the first time in a similar situation to what's happened with Holly he gave his seat to his brother Danny Collins who then went on to get elected in his own right in the last uh, local election. But this listener reckons that we shouldn't have that system in place that it should go back to a by-election. They don't. They do by-elections for the doll seat but they don't do it for the council. This listener feels a by-election. You're Well, you're the only one with that view, I have to say. There's a number of people saying no, that it should go to Finbar-Harrington and but it will be up to uh, Holly. As I say, we will try to get through to Holly and, and see what she's thinking. Has she even thought about it yet? Maybe she hasn't because, you know, literally she hasn't, she wasn't even elected 24 hours at this stage. It was late in... In, it was early into this morning before she was finally elected. Joan in Canturk says, like a lot of other people. I really do feel sorry for John Paul O'Shea, who didn't get the seat. He was running for Fine Gael in uh, Cork Northwest. It is the belief of a huge amount of people that he would have secured the seat in the doll if he'd stayed independent. I hope he'll reconsider his position for the next time round. I know it's expensive for candidates to run, but I think that John Paul would get financial backing us from Joan in Cantorque. Uh, the number of people who said that to me yesterday at the Count Centre particularly when this move towards change. Now, he did run as an independent in 2016 and didn't secure the seat. But with the way the move towards change was there this time, would, would more would more votes have transferred to him? I don't know. I mean, it's it's one he's probably thinking about himself as well. But that's uh, Joan and uh view. Patricia, we will see how good Sinn Féin are if they do form a government. Will they keep their promises, i.e., They've promised to bring the pension age back to 65. They've also promised to build so many new uh, houses. And they're also talking about sorting out the hospital uh, crisis. Uh, Thanks for reading out my message. Signed a a loyal listener. Let's see, can Sinn Féin manage to do it? Sandy says, Minister for Agriculture's remarks, I heard Michael Creed say that there is no political benefit for fiscal prudence or care. He should have learned that farmers suffered financially and people of 65 have been forced to retire and then wait for their pensions now until they're 67, even been forced to submit to means tests for their dole period during that waiting period instead of bringing in legislation granting right to work until retirement age. They have suffered for that. Someone else says, will Regina Doherty and Joan Burton, when I was listing listening out the high-profile females who've lost their seat, uh, will they wait for their pensions well, I think you know the answer to that for sure. Patricia, I've got a job offer for Shane Ross who's lost his job. Tell him he can come and start driving minibuses and around rural Ireland. He can take people to the pub and drive them home uh, again. Hi, Trish. Don't want you to call out my name, but I'm from Cantor. Hands up to Becky Keeley, who did really well in this election. Well done to her. Becky Keeley was the aim to... She did. Actually, she did very well. Yeah, she did. She did very well. And it was her first time out as well. And it's always a brave thing to run and into. You know, it's a relatively new party as well, but to run for the first time, you never know what way you're going to be viewed. So certainly she did well. Hi, Patricia. I think it was disgrace that canvassers uh, were were saying that they didn't call to rural, rural areas. They want our votes, but did not afford us the opportunity to talk to them and raise our issues. If people did not want to speak to them if they called that would be up to each individual but at least to force the rest of us the opportunity to raise issues directly I think in their defence they couldn't it would be impossible to get out to every single rural area but because of the darker evenings when it's a summer election they'll canvass right up to 10 half 10 at night and they then can cover a bigger area but I think it's the dark evenings really is the thing that's against them I don't think they were deliberately saying that they weren't going to go anywhere near rural areas they just felt it would be inappropriate to start knocking on doors late at night and there was only so much that they could cover when they went out during the day I think that's that's the That's the uh, theory behind it. Okay, I can see some questions coming in for Annalise. Thank you for that uh, because we're going to get to Annalise in a couple of minutes on the programme. Michael, Patricia, in order to break the current impasse of government formation, why not have a rainbow coalition of Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin as neither will form a government? Remember the last rainbow government which was led by John Bruton of Fine Gael Dick Spring of the Labour Party and Prontius the Rasa of, was he Workers' Party? our Democratic left at the time. Anyway, yeah. Um, could that not be looked at? I, well, I'm sure, listening to Mary Lou MacDonald last night, she was. she's up to talk to everyone. She's already started calling people she certainly is interested in talking to the smaller parties but it's it's the numbers we're going to have to wait and see how the numbers all pan out John says the arrogance of Fine Gael supported by Fina Fall to the people and their total failure in health total failure in homelessness they are the main reasons for the huge Sinn Féin vote Fina Fall are now in a bind if they reject Sinn Féin as partners in government they'll be further punished by the electorate change is what is badly needed that's from John and Eddie from Mahan says, Patricia, when the TDs are not re-elected and in six months' time when their wages stop, will they be the first into the Labour Exchange to claim dole? Just a thought. So, says uh, Eddie from uh, Mahan. I suppose, yeah, they sign on if they if they don't have any work, but I, I don't know. And Frank in Cork says, we have people now taking dole, taking up dole seats and they couldn't even win a local council seat last May. Frank says, "Mihol Martin should not go into government with Sinn Féin. Let Sinn Féin stand up and be counted now, and see how they get on in uh, government. But it's it's going to be a numbers game." Now, I know what you're referring to, Frank. Is some of the Sinn Féin candidates ran in the local elections? Not certainly here in Cork. This was in other parts of the country. I mean, I saw one man up the country can't. I mean, his name doesn't register with me because he's uh, to me a new candidate. But he had ran in the local elections last May. Failed to secure a seat. I think he got 800 odd votes and something like 14,000 votes he had got a quota and a half when he ran. But I mean, rather than, you know, say that that's the candidate's fault, that was just the swing towards Sinn Féin. That's how much of a swing there was, because that's one of the reasons when Sinn Féin would have sat down to decide what candidates they were running and where, they would have looked at the previous election results and they had a disastrous election back in May. They took quite a hammering back in May and there was nothing on the cards certainly in the weeks and months after the local elections in Europeans last year to indicate that there was going to be this groundswell of support. It was something that sort of built and built and built and in the last number of weeks really really uh, took off. And just on the numbers when Frank's saying leave Sinn Féin, stand up and be counted Okay, this is seat projections that were uh, See, we, we still have counting going on today so it's hard to know but I saw this is a kind of a common projection I'm seeing from a number of different political commentators and people much better able to read this than I, than I. people are saying that Fianna Fáil could end up with all of these are coulds could end up with uh, 43 and that would include obviously the Count Corla, Fianna Gael on 38 Sinn Féin on 37 the Greens on 11 Labour on 6 Solidarity People for Profit 5 uh, Social Democrats 4 an Independent and other 16 other Social Democrats. When people are predicting four, I don't know if that's c- including Holly mckeever Kearns or not because a lot of newspapers, certainly in political editors, went to bed and they were not giving that seat to Holly. A lot thought that the seat would actually go to Senator Tim Lombert for Phoenix Egg because I think a lot of people couldn't believe that West Cork would return 3 TDs of which one of them wouldn't be Fine Gael so I think a lot of people kind of rule tally out so that that could actually go up one well, we which would put Social Democrats on 5 and reduce uh, Fine Gael on 34 to to 37 uh, but Sinn Fein w- w- are on 37 and the magic number you have to get to is 7980 isn't it in order to have enough power uh, in in order to run a government so if you take out going on what Frank is saying if you take out Fall and Fine Gael, say they do 43, and say they do 38 for Fine Gael, Then there isn't enough 37, 47, 57, 67. No, there's not enough. 67. No, there isn't. There isn't enough for Sinn Fein to go into power. Say even with the Greens, Labour, Solidarity People for a Profit, Social Democrats, and all of the others. And even if they they all got together like that, I mean, just how stable would that government be? I don't. I really don't think that's that is a realistic option at all anyway we've got to wait till all of the votes are counted and tallied and wait hopefully by the close of business today we should have some indication of what the new government is going to look at certainly numbers wise we'll know how many uh, how many all of the parties have with the, with the seats and uh, then I suppose negotiations can start in full. 1850 333 103. Particularly looking for your questions, please, for Annalise, who will be joining us in a couple of minutes. Get them into us. You can text her WhatsApp 086
1: 103
0: 103. The C103 Cork Diary.
1: With Cork County Council, supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie.
2: The Cork ETB School of Music, they're putting on a West Cork showcase concert. It's in St. Faulkner's Cathedral in Roscarbury. It is on tonight, actually, at half past seven. Students from different centres in the West Cork area will take part. Donations gladly accepted towards the upkeep of the historical cathedral and all are welcome. Donorell Active Retirement Annual AGM is taking place this afternoon at three. All are welcome. Nomination forms available on today. As we've mentioned already, bingo for tonight in Butterworth, that's been cancelled due to the threatened inclement weather. Derry Claw National School is now open for enrolments for September 2020. Contact numbers 028 30328. And Discover Diabetes is a free four week course run by the HSC Community Dietitians It's to help those who are living with type 2 diabetes. An evening course will start on Wednesday, the 4th of March, in St Mary's Primary Care Campus in Gronabraha. If you're interested in attending, you can register your interest by February the 12th, that's this Wednesday, with Michelle Walsh at 087 394 2312. And there'll be a blood donor clinic in Cork Marts in Fomoy on Wednesday of this week, 5 until half past 8. And then on Thursday, 3 to 5 in the afternoon and 7 to 9 on Thursday night. And we are heading to the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic where we're joined by Annelise Drussel. Uh, good, good afternoon to Anneliese. Good after, pa- afternoon, Patricia. And because I've been hit by one of these virusy things that just came on me really suddenly yesterday, a number of, of listeners are suggesting that I should go to you for Dr. Deelish-Claire and the, si- <laughs> and the sinus blend. But um, I tell you, I don't think I've ever ha- been... So quickly taken over by something that I didn't have a sniffle or a cough or whatever. And I woke yesterday morning, bit of a scratchy throat. And yesterday afternoon, I felt like a bus had hit me.
8: Yeah, it's it's definitely there is that viral thing going around. And to be honest, Patricia, you should probably be in um, bed really at this point.
2: (laughs) Thanks very much. Um,
8: (laughs) But the Dr. Deelish-Claire would still work because there is stuff in there for your immune system. Sorry, Patricia, just one okay. moment.
2: Okay, all right. All right. There's a, I think there's somebody just come to the door on all her. Right. Sorry about You're that. Okay, all right, yeah.
8: So, um, yeah, so um, I think the Dr. D. Clare stuff does have immune things in there. Uh, so it'll boost your immune system. There's um, the echinacea, which will, um, will increase the T fighting cells and that's really good for antiviral and there's some garlic in there as well, which is a real antibacterial. Plus, um, it does help with um with the mucus that might start building, so I would definitely try that. And if you have a vitamin C and zinc at home, I'd start taking vitamin C at thousand units.
2: Yeah, I started uh, that this morning before I be came out to work. Started that this morning. All right, I listen. I'll struggle on. I'll be fine. Uh, Mary and Canterbury has been on. Could Annalise suggest anything? Any natural way to remove plaque from the arteries? Is there any natural way to do it?
8: So there has been some interesting research um, recently on vitamin K two. And the effect of that on preventing calcification of, um, of of the plaque in the artery. So you could try something like that. Now there's a huge cohort study going on on that at the moment, and the results of it aren't out yet. But recent research has shown that that can help. And for some people as well, a vitamin C is very important. Vitamin C is very important for the. Um, for the plaque and the artery. I'm sorry, Patricia. Can you just hold one moment? I'm
3: very sorry. I'm on the radio. You have to go.
2: <laughs> okay, she's see. This is one thing with Annalise. Annalise does does the while she's at the shop, and somebody's come in. Normally, we we has the we have the shop locked up, but she's has somebody with her. So let's just we'll wait until this person's gone, and then we will get back to her because I can see a number of questions uh, coming in. I know somebody was asking about Simon Harris, and had Simon Harris uh, retained his seat, the minister for health, he's still in a ding dong ba- battle in the Wicklow Count Centre, and I know up uh, to two hours ago that battle. Was still going on, so he uh, So we don't know if he's lost, retained his seat, or lost his seat or not. Okay, uh, and Lise is back with us. Um, afternoon, Janelise. Apologies, don't worry, that. don't worry. That's the one thing about when we, we go to you in, in a live setting in a shop. Okay, you were talking about the listener who wanted advice for the archeries. Somebody yeah, looking for so a natural way to remove plaque from the archeries is a possible. So
8: about the vitamin K2 and also vitamin C being very important because it's an an, uh, an essential component for collagen. So that will help to keep our arteries lovely and flexible and uh, bendy, which is what you want. There is some evidence to show that enzymes like an enzyme, it's spelled S-E-R-R-A-P-E-P-T-A-S-E, serapeptase, that they can help break down debris within the system, including plaque and arteries. Now, it's very hard to find clinical studies on this kind of stuff, Patricia. So I couldn't say for sure that, um, you know, it's entirely successful, but there does seem to be a lot of people using it for that reason. And you'll get that in any health shop. It could also come under the name Propeptase, but they're basically enzymes that can remove debris in the body.
2: Okay. Hi, Anneliese. Advice, please. I suffer from IBS. I'm on a FODMAP diet. Plus I'm on Busquepam by two, three times a day. Alflorex and Fibogel once a day. But very little improvement. Uh, I've been on the diet now for three weeks. Uh, any alternative for me? or yeah,
8: It's a difficult one, Patricia. You see, I think the FODMAP diet can work very well because what it does is it removes the fibre, FOS. It's called fructoagliosaccharide. And it's a type of fibre that certain bacteria love to ferment. So it can create a lot of problems in the bowel. You can get a lot of bloating and wind. It can cause diarrhea. Um, it can also cause constipation. So removing that fiber can starve those bacteria and you don't. it manages your symptoms that way. However, I don't think it takes care of the problem. And it is quite a strict diet to follow. There's a lot of nice foods that you have to cut out. And for some people, I don't think it is. it's really to do with the fiber. I think it's maybe the fact that certain foods that they're intolerant to are certain medications that they have been taking in the past have created an environment in the bowel where those kinds of bacteria are thriving. So ideally, it's better to try and get rid of those bacteria so that you can eat those foods and that fiber is well tolerated. And that may be using things to heal the gut or removing foods that are causing problems Um, if you're intolerant to certain foods. So a food intolerance test will always be the quickest way to figure out what foods are causing you problems. And if it's an ongoing long-term issue, it's probably a food. If you had to take a lot of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories for an injury, like ibuprofen or diphine, that's possibly what caused the damage. So taking things to heal the gut, like um, marshmallow, slippery elm, aloe vera, L-glutamine, these are all lovely things that help heal the gut and restore the proper gut environment for the good bacteria, then that can actually um, change the environment so the fibre is well tolerated.
2: Okay. And good luck with that because really, it does seem to be trying to do everything. It's, it's It can be really tricky. Okay. Um, hi, Patricia. Could you ask Annalise, what is a folic acid tablet used for? Why would you be taking folic acid? I know if you're thinking getting pregnant, it's important, isn't it? It
8: is. One of the B vitamins, Patricia, and it has a few different functions. The B vitamins are all involved in developing um, and supporting and maintaining the, new, the uh, nervous system. So, when the baby is growing in the first trimester and that nervous system is the main thing that's developing, folic acid is very important during that time because um, deficiencies have been found to possibly cause neural, neural tube defects like spina bifida. Now, this tends to be just in a very small proportion of the population, but the advice is that every pregnant woman should take it just in case. But the other big function of folate, um, that we and we get our food... Uh, we get our, our folic acid in the form of folate from food. So I believe it's the best way to take it actually as a supplement as well as in the form of folate and not folic acid. Um, it's very important to make your red blood cells. So if you were deficient in folate, as well as B12, which is another one of the B vitamins, it could mean uh, a type of anemia in the blood or an, a deficiency of your blood cells. So it's very important for that as well. And it might show up in a blood test definitely B12 will but sometimes they'll test for folate as well and your symptoms would be tired breathless possibly a little bit because if your red blood cells aren't being made efficiently you're not able to take oxygen around to all the muscle cells in the body so you'll feel tired you'll feel breathless you'll feel exhausted you might have big black bags under your eyes that will be another typical sign as well that you'd be deficient.
2: Hi Annalise. Could you advise please about chillblains on my toes and fingers? The toes are worse than my fingers. Uh, That's from Anne.
8: Horrible. I remember having these as a child. And getting down on the carpet and scratching until they were raw. They would drive me so crazy with the itch. But the best thing, actually, is um, one of the Dr. Deelish Claire's creams for that. You're looking for something that has a bit of chickweed in there. And chickweed is very good for soothing and taking the heat out of chilled on hands and on feet. And sometimes um, I've seen success with customers on a supplement called Viola Tricolore. It's that beautiful little, um, you know, the small little Viola flower, Patricia. Um, it's like a tiny, tiny pansy. It's called Viola Tricolor, and the root of that plant can be very good for circulatory issues, especially chilled lanes. So taking that as a preventative throughout the winter months when you're prone to get them and get either Dr. Delish's Cares healing cream or her chickweed cream or maybe there'll be another type of chickweed cr- cream in your local shop and put that on topically.
2: And it, and it will help. Uh, Annelise could you ask Annelise about the benefits of apple cider vinegar, please? So
8: there's, if you read online, Patricia, it could cure everything. Um, the apple cider vinegar. So I'm a little bit sceptical about some of the claims. But definitely without a doubt, the raw apple cider vinegar has got great bacteria in there, the lactic acid bacteria. And these are excellent for the gut. So they can help with bloating. They can help give you a regular bowel movement. They put your good bacteria in, in your in your into your gut. And I think that's why some women find it helps with weight loss or they say it helps with weight loss because... It keeps their tummies nice and flat because the bacteria, the good bacteria, are thriving. Also, uh, vinegar generally will have what's called an alkalizing effect in the body. So if your body is over-acidic from eating a a diet very high in, say, animal fats and processed foods and sugars, it creates an acidic environment, and this is where you get more inflammation. Now, this is a very naturopic a naturopathic way of looking at it. It wouldn't be accepted now by the medical community, but taking something like apple cider vinegar, which in itself is acid, actually has the opposite effect on the body, as do lemons, taking lemon juice in the morning. So it can help alkalize the body. So some people would say that it helps with their inflammatory conditions, particularly arthritis. Um, And they'd probably be the two main benefits of it, Patricia, but I would be a fan of it for the gut more than anything else. However... If you have any inflammation in your stomach, do not take it because you'll do more damage Mm -hmm. than good good because you forget that it's actually a vinegar.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Uh, Hi, Annalise. Could you recommend something for itchy legs, especially itchy at night?
8: Okay, so now that is interesting because I don't know if there's a rash there or not. So is it the sensation of an itch or is is there a rash coming up? So. It could be any one of a number of things, Patricia, but the first thing I suppose would be what kind of washing powder are you using on socks or tights um, or on trousers, and is that possibly what's irritating and by the end of the day it's become very itchy? Um, It's always good to use a non-biological powder if you have any sensitive type of skin issues. Also, stop using fabric conditioner because that stays within the fibre and it is chemicals that rub against your skin all day long. So if you've got very sensitive skin Fabric conditioner is one of the worst things you can use. Now, you could buy a natural uh, laundry liquid or laundry powder, but recently there's been a couple of um, new inventions in terms of the environment with the laundry bowls, and these are bowls that are filled with kind of little mineral, tiny little mineral bowls, and they can help take the dirt out of clothes. So you just throw this mineral ball in with your washing machine and clothes, and you don't have to put any fabric conditioner in, or sorry, any
3: laundry liquid in
8: whatsoever. And I've tried it on my own clothes, and it does work well. It's not going to get deep stains out, but you could always use a bit of laundry liquid on those clothes. And then for your general wash, just use a laundry ball. And they only cost about 20 quid, and they last a whole year, so they'll cut down on... um, chemicals into the environment as well. That could be one reason. Or if it's a crawling sensation under the leg, it might be maybe a magnesium deficiency. So taking a magnesium capsule at night might help, or possibly rubbing on a magnesium cream, uh, that gets the magnesium right into the skin
2: might be another solution. OK. All right. We'll leave it there. Thank you for that. Uh, have a great Thanks, week. Patricia. We'll talk next Monday. Uh, take care. That is Elise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincollig, and she'll be back with us next uh, Monday. A listener says, Patricia, this is on the elections. Uh, we were in a pub in North Cork uh, and it was closing time and the elderly land- landlady said, let's all raise a toast now to Shane Ross. Can we wish good luck to him and that I mean he may never come back. Uh, Yeah, he is one, certainly in rural Ireland. I mean, I saw him on the TV when he was uh, accepting that he had lost his uh, siege. Couldn't help but feel sorry for him. But then I feel sorry for them all regardless of political parties what they've done and haven't done I just think it's dreadful to see anybody lose their job but, but it did strike me when I heard him accepting that he'd lost his seat that there would be a lot of people around rural Ireland I didn't realise some of them would be raising glasses uh, to them but that's what happened in a pub in a rural area of North Cork on, on last night uh, That's what we leave you for today my thanks to Bernie Murphy who was producing filling in for John Paul Talk to you tomorrow at 10